You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible weekly leader training podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by Brandon Hiltabottle. He's the Director of Discipleship and Groups Ministries at LifeWay, and we're going to be looking at Session 4 for the Fall 2020 study of Isaiah, which is Isaiah 23, 8 through 18. So, Brandon, thank you for being with us today. Um, I'm going to go through this passage, first of all, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss some of the things that we see, uh, questions we may have, and those type of things. Uh, so, we're going to be great. looking... We're going to be looking at Isaiah 23, 8 through 18. And the, the way we've outlined that passage is this, that point one is God is just, point two, God is active, and point three, God is honored. So in verses 8 through 12, it's the idea that God is just. In this passage, this section of the passage, Isaiah posed a rhetorical question about who would destroy Tyre. He pointed to God being the one who would bring Tyre down and raise it, raising his hand against Tyre and Sidon. By the way, Sidon's about 20 miles from Tyre, but most folks think of Tyre. Even those fleeing the region would not escape God's judgment. He then moves in verses 13 and 14 to the idea that God is active. Isaiah points to a serious defeat of the early Babylonians or Chaldeans as evidence of God's power of the affairs of his creation. The same fate awaited Tyre and Sidon as had been seen by the Babylonians. The third section, which is verses 15 through 18, points to the idea that God is honored. Here, Isaiah declared that Tyre would be desolate for a period of 70 years. But after that time, God will allow Tyre to make a comeback. However, this time, Tyre's prophets would advance his plan and benefit the temple and the priesthood in Jerusalem. So that's a quick walk through this passage. Brandon, I'm going to ask you, first of all, let's talk about Tyre. Why is that so important? What do we know about Tyre? So I think this is really, really important. Uh, first, I want to just note that I come at this, uh, for any, everybody that's listening, probably more like you do for, for most of you. I'm a, I, I don't have a doctorate like Dwayne has. I'm not a professional theologian. I, I lead Sunday school in small groups. Um, and so I come at this very much needing to rely on the on the material that's provided and the the commentary that was uh, a part of this session was super, super helpful for me. Yeah, what I, I think this is critical for us to understand what the passage is saying is about God and oh, why he is so compelling why his justice, why his sovereignty is so significant, why it is something that should make really make our hearts race is to understand what type of city that he was talking to. And the, and the Bible text itself uses three phrases uh, to let us, to give us some insight into what Tyre was actually like, like in that world. It's called Tyre is the bestower of crowns. So that means the, the commentary says it's wealthy people, it's powerful, that has the ability to make kings, to break kings. It reminds me, uh, and Dwayne, do you agree or disagree, but it reminds me of like New York City. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it was, and, it's the place you wanted to go if you yeah, wanted to yeah, make like it. If you, could, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Oh, um, yeah. It's, I, it's, I mean, it's that it's, kind of it's, city. It's a tough town. I mean, if, if Tyre is anything like New York City, it will crush 
people. It did me on my honeymoon. My wife and I went to New York City on our honeymoon. And we we left within 12 hours. We ended up only going. We went to a cafe for lunch and switched our flight to come home that night. I won't get into all the details, but, like, we could not make it in New York City. Oh, man. Bestower of crowns. Uh, so anyway, it's it's that it's that type of context. And the other phrase in the text is um, that the traitors are princes. So uh, whether or not that's literal or figurative, uh, those businessmen they were really big deals. And the third phrase was uh, the merchants were honored ones of the earth. And this speaks to the worldwide, very similar again to New York City, the worldwide reputation of this city. So Tyre was rich and it was powerful. And it was famous worldwide. That's some of the things that we know about it. Yeah. And it, it sit out. It, it, it was. It was. Uh, there's two parts of Tyre. There's the city, kind of like the where everybody lived, and then there's another part of it that's out on a rock, and um, it's fortified. I mean, if you were going to attack it, you're going to have to get in a boat and go attack the city because it's sitting out in a like a like a cove it's its own island it's its own world so it had some protection there as well so it almost felt not only was it powerful it had this sense of it's invincible uh, as well and so it, it kind of uh, uh, you almost get the impression that everybody's given up on trying to conquer it is it verse eight that says god's what is, let me make sure i have the right verse yeah who had planned this against yeah. tire yeah uh, which which goes to the whole summary statement for this study, which is God controls the rise and fall of nations and powers. He allowed Tyre to rise, and He's going to be the one that brings them down. Um, there's a Bible skill in our in the resource. It's in both the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, and in the leader guide, where we look at the term Lord of Armies. Why is that phrase so important here? This phrase Lord of Armies. It's used other places in Isaiah too. It's, this was the most exciting part of the study for me. I love this phrase even before I saw this session. And the fact that that is the answer that comes on verse nine after after those three phrases in verse eight, who has planned this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns, the tra whose traders are princes, whose merchants are honored ones of the earth, who has planned this city on a rock, this city of power, who has planned its destruction? The Lord of armies has planned it to desecrate all its glorious beauty and to disgrace all the honored ones of the earth. And so I looked up, I didn't even look up all the ones in the Bible skill, but, but you get an idea of why this phrase carries so much potency in some of them. So in first Samuel one, it, Hannah says to the Lord of armies, give your servant a son. So it's speaking to, to God's power to give life, essentially, like who else can you say, give, give me a son uh, in Psalm 80 in Psalm, and, and, it, and, and have it actually work yeah. because the Lord does it. In Psalm 80, in verse 7, it says, restore us, God of armies, so that we may be saved. In verse 14 of Psalm 80, it says, God of armies, look down from heaven and see. Like, remember where the Lord of armies is. Like, I would want to have that uh, sort of burning passion flickered in my heart. Like, uh, this, we are not talking about uh, even a strong human. We are not talking about uh, my wise boss or my you know, my dad, who I thought was a superhero, we talk, we're talking about the Lord of armies, the God of armies who looks down from heaven to see all that he see. And Malachi uh, 1 says, uh, my name shall be great in all the earth, says the Lord of armies. Um, so, you know, this, this phrase, it's referencing 
God's sovereignty. It's referencing his un, uh, unquestioned authority. And, you know, we may question it, but it's never really in question. And, you know, you, you said it was used other times in Isaiah 6, Duane, or in Isaiah, Duane, and the, and the very first thing before I saw the Bible scale, when I was just reading the text, and I saw the phrase Lord of Armies, it immediately brought to mind what is probably the most famous use of the phrase in the Bible, which is in Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of Armies, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. What a, really a breathtaking, what a challenging name for God. And in that context, in Isaiah chapter 6, it's a seraphim saying it. Yeah. Well, six, and it six angel. fascinates me that it's it's Lord, not Lord of the army, but Lord of the armies, plural, which even gives it greater strength and power. It's a it's not like he's 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 the he's the commander of all the armies, plural, uh, not just yeah. he doesn't have one one army. He's over the whole shooting match. God is the commander in chief of the armies of heaven, of, the, of all of heaven. And it's just a really uh it's just an exciting image, a comforting image, really. And so it's, it's important here in this context, I think, Brandon, because it helps us understand, come to the idea that God does control it. And we may think we control it, but he, he's really the one controlling it. Which brings up this next question. How do we account for evil kings and regimes since God is in control? Why does he let yeah. that happen? I mean, that's a hard question. It's a, it's a hard question, and the Lord was really kind to me in that last week I just happened to watch a video. I don't, remember, I don't know when this will air, but I'm certain we won't have forgotten the coronavirus when this airs. And uh, I, was, I was watching a video from Tim Keller on why God would allow uh, the coronavirus, and I think it, it fits really, really well here in why God, God would allow uh, evil kings or regimes that bring suffering uh, along with them in their wake or in their leadership. And, uh, you know, Tim Keller's point was that there, that a virus or, uh, uh, you know, the tire or whatever evil king, evil leader, it's not a new problem. Bad things are always happening. This is, this has always been a problem. And here's the language that he used that I think could be helpful for us as we, as we consider this text and this question. Um, he said, if you have a God who is big and powerful enough to be mad at for not stopping suffering or injustice or perceived injustice, then you also have a God who is powerful enough uh, to have reasons why he hasn't stopped it that you can't think of. So basically, we like to think of ourselves as the Lord of Armies, and if I can't think of a good reason, then there can't be a good reason. But I mean, we just need to remember we're talking about the holy, holy, holy Lord of Armies, and he is big enough to be wiser than me. That's really, really helpful. Like, uh, if he is everything that we saw in First Samuel and Psalm 80 and Malachi 1 and Isaiah 6 and all the others, I mean, he can have he can have ways and reasons that he is doing good in, in times and seasons in which we can't see it. No, because, because we, we start, we start trying to, to equate our ability to think as God's ability to think in that context. Yeah. We'll start, well, if I was God, I'd be doing this. Well, if you were God, we'd be in more trouble than we're in already. Or if I know if I was, I'd be, we'd be in a whole lot more trouble. <laughs> I want to yeah. add one more thing to that. Okay. That, 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 that question you know, when we're accounting for evil kings or regimes and the sufferings that come along with them by saying that God is wise enough 
um, to see and do and work for good that we can't see. We're able to do that because we can never say that the presence of these rulers or, or whoever it may be, the suffering that they cause means that God isn't loving. This is just really, really important to, to my heart and the way I view the world, the way the Bible teaches us to view the world, because the ultimate that we have already ultimate proof that God is good, even when we can see suffering, because we have the cross. And when we when we look at Jesus on the cross, we know that God himself, I would find a way to work this in. Like we have on the cross the ultimate example that God is for us, because he wasn't just the Lord of armies who uh, was capable of destroying cities and conquering kings. He was the king who allowed himself to be conquered so that we could have a relationship with him. Well, and picture in that context, uh, what strikes me as we're sitting here thinking about that is you have Christ on the cross where we're told that he could have called 10,000 angels and could have rescued him. That's the Lord of the armies. Yes. The Lord of the armies is on the cross, willingly sacrificing himself so that we could have redemption. Our redemption was more important than him having the him stepping off of that cross because he's going to step off three days later he, it's yeah. not the end of the story so you kind of yeah. see the idea of the lord of the armies even in that that picture where the army sitting on the side that's the ultimate in authority where you where you choose not to act because that's the right thing to do in verse 16 he's talking about tyre and he makes the statement isaiah makes a statement that you will be remembered how would that motivate us to action because what he's really saying here is that Tyre, even though you're gone for 70 years, I haven't forgotten you. There's still a place for you somewhere. Uh, how should that motivate us? Unpack that a little bit for us, if you can. Yeah, uh, you and I were talking about this uh, before we started, but you just touched on it with the Lord of Armies on the cross. And uh, it just, it reminds us that that God can redeem anyone, that God can bring back I can bring back anyone. And it and it reminds us of really our former similar those of us who are in Christ Jesus, our former similar situation to those that we might think are definitely going to be destroyed. And man, God could never redeem them. But we were all deserving of destruction. And the way that we respond to, to him saying, I will remember them, is that we trust that that he is has the power to redeem anyone that he wants to redeem. He can draw them to himself, and uh, I mean, as even as we were discussing that before we started recording, man, it, it reminded me of I won't give any names, but of one of my my wife's blood relatives who does not have a relationship with God through Jesus, and that she constantly and he seems like he's as far away from him as anyone in the world. And man, if there's anybody I know that God is could not would not redeem. And yet my wife is constantly reminding herself to pray for him and ask the Lord, like there is, you're the Lord of armies, you know, you're the Lord of the armies. You're the God who conquered death and came out of the grave. You can, you can redeem anyone and you can remember anyone and you can call them into, into friendship with you. And so I think it helps us to, um, to, to remember and to pray and to, you know, not give up. I had a conversation with someone this morning and uh, we were talking about being in heaven that, that one of the surprises will be who's not there, but another surprise will be who we see there thinking, you, you here? <laughs> um, 
and it you know uh, looking back now it's kind of fun to go to Facebook and see some of the posts of friends I had in high school and I'm thinking is that the same person uh you know the, uh, we have to be reminded that God yeah. is in the process of redeeming people he hasn't forgotten somebody even though we may have and that's an important piece for us to remember as we're thinking about this idea of God reigns. He's in control, rise and fall of nations and powers, but he's up to something. It's not random. He's trying to bring people back to himself. And so the rise and falls of the nations are part of that uh, happening in some form or fashion. I, we can't understand it. We don't get it, but it's part of what's happening. And that's really the exciting thing of this particular session is that God has plans and he's working them. Just sit back yeah. and enjoy and watch it. Any other insights, things you would say about this particular lesson? Well, I'll just say that um, one more text I would share, really just one more verse that uh, the, it was the, when you and I talked about having this conversation, it's the, it was the verse that, that came to my mind and, and it might be something to work into the conversation as you teach this session. Proverbs 21.1 says, a king's heart is like channeled water in the Lord's hand and he directs it wherever he chooses. And so I that's think pro that is that's a, Proverbs 21, one, right? Proverbs 21, one. Okay. And I think that's a good picture of, of how the Lord of armies handles his business. And it's important for us to remember, we may think that person's making a decision, but there's, there's God in the background doing something that we don't really fully yeah. understand. It's probably yeah. best. We don't understand either, you know, that's right. Brandon, thank you for being with us today. Before we go, I want to just direct our, our listeners to Extra. Extra is a uh, something that we provide on our blog. Uh, we identify a current news event and describe a way of using that a news, news event to introduce or conclude the group time. Uh, the file is free and it works with the group plans that are in the adult leader guide or with the leader helps in the adult daily discipleship guide. It'll be either as a supplement. Sometimes it replaces the idea. Uh, these ideas are posted 10 days prior to the suggested use date. And you can find these on our website by going to goexplorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. I want to thank you for listening to us today. And we hope you encourage other teachers to tune in next week. As we look at session five, we'll be looking at Isaiah chapter 25 verses one through 10.